Well, hello, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sue, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I spend most of my time helping people get connected in groups, groups like Alpha and Rooted and Life Groups. And here at River Glen, we think groups are so important that we have an entire department dedicated to making sure that groups are accessible and meaningful. So if you're looking to get connected in a group here at River Glen, please come find me or email me after the service. Well, I'm so glad that you have joined us today. I want to say welcome to those of you here in the room, those of you over in Pewaukee, and of course, those of you joining us online. Hey, I'm really excited that we have people joining us online from places like Las Vegas and Iowa and South Carolina and New Jersey and even Norway. Yeah, how cool is that? But even if you're just tuning in from down the street, we're glad that you found a place where you can learn and grow in faith. Well, this weekend, we're continuing in our series called Real Prayer for Real People, and we're teaching through the model prayer that Jesus gave to his first followers in the book of Matthew. Now, the book of Matthew is one of the books in the Bible where it tells the story of Jesus's life, and in chapter six, Jesus gave a sample or a model prayer to his followers when they asked this question, Jesus how can we pray? And we thought it would be fun to ask some of the kids here at River Glen about prayer to see what they have to say about it. Check out this video. Do you pray? Mm. That's a two thumbs up. Yes. 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 How do you pray? Can you show me? This nice crust. Sometimes. Um, when do you pray? Dinner time, lunch, and breakfast. Always before every meal and then, like before I go to bed. What do you like to pray for? That I don't run out of good bucks to <laughs> For bad, having bad dreams. My family. Helping mama and daddy. Pray for all of my parents. <laughs> what do you think is the best thing to pray for? God. Ooh, okay. Why do you say that? Because he's the best. For Cause... God to forgive your sins, because that's one of, like, that can be a life-changing thing. Do you think people should be afraid to pray? No. no. Why shouldn't they be afraid to pray? Because they're just talking to God. You shouldn't. He's like a parent. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be afraid to talk to your parents. Right. So you shouldn't be afraid to talk to God. So what would you tell somebody that might be afraid? Don't be afraid. It's okay. Enough. Don't be afraid. Uh, I'll pray with you. That's a great answer. Wasn't that adorable? Yeah, kids are so great. Yeah, good job, kids. Parents, pass on the applause to them. But I wonder, you know, how you and I would answer those questions if we were to ask them, you know, especially if the person asking is someone that's new to prayer. Hey, 
pray? How do you pray? When do you pray? What do you like to pray for? I mean, we might have a hard time answering that truthfully. <laughs> and uh, if it's been a while since we spent time in prayer, we probably don't want a video camera on us when we're having the conversation. Now, I don't know about you, um, but for me, I sometimes find myself praying the same things over and over again. Um, kind of like prayers with similar themes like, hey, God, can you rescue me from this situation? God, can you fix this thing that I broke in my life? Can you help me get out of this problem? And these kind of prayers, they can sound a little desperate to me, you know, like it just becomes a listing of all the things that are wrong in my life and in the world. And sometimes I can get a little flippant in my prayers. I mean, I think it's harmless, but let me ask you this, and don't raise your hand here, but how many of you have prayed for traffic lights to turn green because you were late for an appointment? <laughs> yeah, or how many of you have prayed for a close parking spot when you get to a restaurant or a store? I'm totally guilty of this. When my kids were little, I used to tell the girls, okay, let's pray to the parking angels so we get a good spot. Hey, true confession, parking angels, not in the Bible. But how about this? How many of you have prayed a sports-related prayer? Yeah, for a home run or a completed pass or one more three-point shot to go in? Some of you have prayed that prayer very recently. And it feels a little bit of sh uh, kind of like it's shallow, doesn't it? I mean, I believe God wants us to talk to God about everything, but how do we know? if the parking angel prayers are appropriate. And maybe like me, you've wondered if you were doing prayer correctly or you've wondered if you're missing out on a way to talk to God that would guarantee that he could hear you. But what if we felt confident in our prayer times? What if we, what if we understood the purpose for our prayers and we knew how God wanted us to pray? Well, this series is designed to answer those questions, and we decided to call it Real Prayer for Real People because prayer doesn't have to be a mystery or something that causes anxiety while we're wondering whether or not we're doing it correctly. And just like those cute little girls in the video said, hey, don't be afraid. It's just like talking to your parents. So when Jesus' followers asked him, hey, how should we pray? He taught them a simple prayer, just five verses long, simple to say but deep in meaning that anyone, anywhere can use to talk to God. And it's a prayer that many of us grew up praying, maybe in church or in our homes. We call it the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. It's probably familiar to you. You might even already have it memorized. And throughout this series, over the next four weeks, we're going to go through that prayer section by section. And we're going to relate those sections to different types of prayers that all of us can use when we're spending time talking to God. So before we focus in on today's section, I thought we could read the entire Lord's Prayer together. Now you can find it in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, but we're going to put it up on the screen for you as well. So let's, let's say this together. Are you ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, last week, Ben introduced us to the first type of prayer, an adoration prayer. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. You can find all of our messages on our website or on our YouTube channel. But last week, we learned that we start our prayers with something called adoration, a prayer that is relational, 
not transactional. And those adoration prayers, they help us to realize and to remember how big and holy God is in comparison to our stress and our worry. And adoration prayers, they shift our perspective from being self-focused to being God-focused. And today's prayer type, it does the same thing because today we're focusing on the second phrase in the prayer, the one that's found in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're calling this type of prayer a surrender prayer. And this portion of the Our Father, it continues with that idea of setting our hearts in the right place when we pray. We begin by praising God, saying, God, you're in charge, you're to be adored, and then we surrender, basically saying, hey, your kingdom focus is my focus. Your priorities are my priorities as long as I'm here on earth. Now, I want to back up just a little bit in Matthew chapter 6, because right before Jesus teaches this prayer, he actually spent a few verses teaching his followers how not to pray. In verse 5, he tells them, don't stand up in the synagogue with your hands in the air or on the street corners, making a big show of your prayers. And then in verse 8, he tells them, don't babble on and on, using all kinds of words, thinking more words equals God's more likely to hear. Instead, in the first two lines of Jesus' model prayer, he makes it clear that what matters most when we pray is not how we look or how we sound, but what's in our minds and what's in our hearts. And our prayers should reflect that we know God is who God is through our adoration, and in surrender, we give our hearts to him. A prayer of surrender, it asks God to align our hearts with his heart and our will with his will. A prayer of surrender, it's getting ourselves in this right mindset before we start asking for things. Essentially, we're surrendering to God's agenda instead of our own. Now, at this point, I might have already shaken up everything that you used to thought, used to think about prayer, um, because if your prayers have been those rescue me, help me fix this type of prayers, you're probably wondering, well, what about what I need? When do we get to the part that's about me? Well, Jesus answered that question as well in verse 8 when he said, Your Father knows what you need before you ask. And we aren't introducing any new information to God when we ask ask Him to fix something or rescue us. He already knows. And asking God for things, it's good, it's right, and the next several weeks is going to be all about the asking-type prayers where we're going to learn how and what we should request from God. But God wants us to start talking to him from a different mindset, one where we surrendered his authority and his character. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want to spend the rest of our time today breaking down this phrase in verse 10 to help us get a clearer understanding about why Jesus wants us to pray surrender prayers and how those prayers can help us to become better followers of Jesus. So let's take a minute to look at this phrase, your kingdom come, because we don't really live in a world of kingdoms so much anymore, do we? But the disciples, the first followers of Jesus, they did. They lived in a kingdom that was ruled by the Romans. And so when Jesus teaches those disciples to pray, your kingdom come, they might have thought this meant a political kingdom, one where God overthrows the current government and then installs a new Jewish king named Jesus. And in fact, as Jesus was traveling around, performing miracles and forgiving people's sins, he regularly told people not to tell anyone what they had seen or heard. And I think it's probably because he figured there might be a, like a widespread misunderstanding about the nature of his kingship. Maybe even a political revolt where they tried to sweep him onto the current political throne. 
But the kingdom that Jesus is talking about here, it is completely different than anything that these followers had ever seen or known. And I think it'll help us to get a little context by looking at what Jesus was saying before he taught this model prayer. Because beginning in Matthew chapter 5 and stretching through to Matthew chapter 7, there's a section of the Bible that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus lays out what God's kingdom should look like. And I want to summarize just a few of the sections to help us understand. Now, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, starting in verse 3, Jesus teaches that in God's kingdom, these are the kind of people that he wants to bless. He wants to bless those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are persecuted for their faith. These are entirely new concepts to Jesus' followers because they always thought that people are blessed when they follow the Jewish laws, the Jewish rules, perfectly. And then further down in chapter 5, Jesus teaches that in God's kingdom, right behavior is important, but even more important is the intent of our hearts. And he gives these examples. He says, hey, if you're angry with someone, that's like murder in God's eyes. Or if you look at another person with lust in your heart, that's the same thing as adultery to God. Jesus goes on to teach that if someone strikes you on one cheek, you should offer them the other one. Or if someone's suing you for a small amount, say just the cost of your shirt, you should pay back not just the cost of your shirt, but also the cost of your coat. And this is a totally different kingdom that Jesus is describing here because the Jewish law taught that justice meant one for one. Whatever's done to you, you respond in the exact same way. So turning the other cheek or paying back double what you owe, this might sound totally crazy to his followers. Jesus even teaches that we're not only to love our neighbors, but we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Jesus' picture of God's kingdom in this sermon, it's completely new. A new way of thinking, a new way of living. I've heard people describe it as upside-down thinking. Because our natural tendency is to, is to take care of ourselves, right? To put ourselves first. But Jesus flips that upside-down. He says, no, you need to love others in an extravagant, over-the-top, completely new way. So when Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, he's teaching us to pray a prayer of surrender, where we surrender our minds and our hearts to this upside-down kingdom living. A mind and a heart that reflects God's love and his hope with our every attitude and every action. And when we get on board with surrendering to God's kingdom priorities, we find ourselves praying less of those rescue me, fix this, help me kind of prayers, don't we? Yeah, because when we live out God's priorities, we are, we are able to avoid a lot of situations that necessitate those kind of prayers. A prayer of surrender is asking God to align our hearts with his heart and our will with his will. And when God's kingdom comes, his will is done. Because when we pray a prayer of surrender and we start living our lives in this upside-down way that's completely different to those around us, that's when we can begin living and loving others, and serving others in a way that attracts more and more people to join the kingdom of God. And it is definitely God's will that as many people as possible join his kingdom. God's will is clear from the things that Jesus said when he was here on earth. I want you to look at these verses that quote Jesus. He says, whoever believes in me will not perish, but have eternal life. He goes on to say, believe in the one he has sent, 
For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. Then he tells us, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. And then he tells us, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have commanded you. And even after Jesus left this earth, the apostle Peter, he talks about God's will. And in 2 Peter 3.9, he says, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's kingdom, it expands every time somebody new gives their heart and their life to God. His kingdom come. And when people surrender their life to God, there's rejoicing in heaven. His will be done. That's why here at River Glen, our mission is to make more and better followers of Jesus because we want our mission of this church to align with the heart of God. Now, Jesus is teaching his followers to have a mindset in their prayers that say, hey, God, put my heart in a place where I'm thinking the way you're thinking. I'm seeing people through your eyes, people that need hope and love, people that need to join your kingdom. A prayer of surrender It asks God to align our hearts with his heart and our will with his will. Now, a few months ago, we did a series here at the church called The Hills We Die On. And in that series, we were given a challenge. We were challenged to identify and pray for one person in our life that we can share God's love with, one person that needs to open up their heart to God's kingdom. And we asked everyone to write that person's name down on a piece of paper as a reminder to pray. And I think naming and praying for one person to join God's kingdom, I think that's exactly what Jesus had in mind when he gave us this surrender prayer. And there's Bo Chancey is a pastor of a church out in New Hampshire, and he wrote a book about praying for one. And our staff and our leadership, we read this book, and I'm telling you, it has made a huge impact on how we want to continue to reach our community for Christ. I love this quote from the book where he says, the beauty of praying for one is that it causes us to actively choose to participate in Christ's kingdom. Because when we surrender to being part of God's kingdom coming and his will being done, we're going to have a front row seat as more and more people become followers of Jesus. Now, since that challenge to pray for one was given, I've been praying regularly for one person in my life that I can share God's love with. And I feel like God has been placing my neighborhood on my heart. And and wouldn't you know it, in the last month, I've seen my neighbors outside more than I have in the last year. It's probably not a coincidence. But in the past, I might have just waved or called hello across the lawn, but now I find myself walking to the lot line or crossing the street to have an actual conversation. And here's some things that I've learned. I learned across the street, we have these neighbors, their names are David and Lizzie, and they're having a new baby this September to join their two-year-old twins. Now, we've been watching these twins over the last year. Um, Back in spring and summer, early in the morning, they'd be out in the driveway playing while their mom or their dad was sitting in a chair drinking coffee and yawning. And it made me a little nostalgic for those days of toddlers and 6 a.m. wake-up calls. But what I have noticed is these twins, they're running around the yard now. They are crazy. And so I've started to think about how I can help Lizzie in the final weeks of her pregnancy. How can I help her make this transition from two kids 
to three kids. And next door to David and Lizzie is a new couple that's moving into um, their first house, a house that needs a little bit of work. And uh, we met them on the day, the day after they closed on their house. And they were walking the yard. They were dreaming and, and, and imagining, you know, what it was going to be like to live in the neighborhood. And they told us that sometime in the next year, they're going to hold their wedding in the backyard of that house. So we start talking, hey, how can we serve them as they plan this big event and a really busy time of life? Praying for one, it's put me in a whole new mindset when it comes to my neighbors, a mindset where I think and wonder, how can I show God's love to these people? How can I serve them? And how can I hopefully one day have a conversation with them about God's kingdom? Now, maybe you weren't here that weekend that we gave the Pray for One challenge. That's okay. It's not too late. You can think of somebody today or this week. And when you pray a prayer of surrender, ask God to pray and ask God to do that in your own life and then ask him to do it in the life of the person that comes to mind. Hey, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life and in the life of, insert the name in the blank. It could be your brother or your sister or your neighbor or your coworker or maybe a friend of yours. Hey, do this in their life on earth as it is in heaven. That phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, it reminds us that God's kingdom is happening right here, right now, on the earth. And maybe you've thought this in the past. Maybe you've thought, hey man, this world, it's a mess. There's so much sin, there's so much disaster, there's so much evil, and maybe you've resigned yourself to the idea that there's not a lot of hope here on earth, that hope only comes when you get to heaven. And in heaven, things will be better. So you told yourself, I just got to hang on until I get to heaven. And if you've had those thoughts, and honestly, I've thought those things in the last year, but if we think that way, then it makes sense for the church and Christians to just solely focus on ushering as many people as possible into heaven. We don't have to worry too much about our time here on earth, just get people to heaven. And heaven's going to be a beautiful place. It's going to be a perfect place with no sin and no tears and no evil. But I think Jesus added that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. He did that because he wanted us to live here and now on earth and to reflect heaven's realities more and more every day. And do you know what the primary mechanism is that God wants to use to unleash heaven here on earth? It's us. It's you and it's me. God wants to use those people, people who have surrendered their hearts and their lives to him, people that aren't afraid to pray a surrender prayer. Hey, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are the people that God wants to use to reflect heaven's love, its grace, its forgiveness here on earth. Yes, heaven's going to be a beautiful place, a perfect place, but God wants to unleash that beauty here on earth through people. And his heart is for those of us that are following Jesus to let his spirit live through us and live out this upside-down kingdom life. A prayer of surrender asks God to align our hearts with his heart, to align our wills with his will. Now, I want to wrap up today with three challenges, ways that we can practice real prayer this week. But before I get to the challenges, I just want to say one more thing. Because if you've never prayed a prayer of surrender yourself, the first time is the most important. Because the first time is when you surrender your own heart and you join God's kingdom yourself. And if you're not sure if you've done that, if you're not sure if you've, if you've prayed that kind of prayer, 
we would love to talk to you today. And one way that you can be sure is to go public with your faith through baptism. Now, we already talked about the baptism opportunity that we have coming up next weekend at our Baptism Bash events. Those are happening at both of our campuses, and we would love to have you participate and surrender your life to joining God's kingdom. You can sign up on the welcome card, or you can use the digital welcome card that's online, or come back to the connect wall, talk to somebody, start a re request some prayer in the online campus, and one of the hosts would love to talk to you about that. I just want to talk to those online really quick for a minute, because if you're watching online and you want to make the decision to get baptized, please reach out to us, because we will do everything we can to help you take that step. Let's get back to the challenges. Now, if you feel like prayer is an area where you can grow, these three challenges, they're going to get you on that right path. So challenge number one, first of all, I want to challenge you to pray a surrender prayer every day this next week. Now, you can start by just praying the entire Lord's Prayer, but zero in on that surrender part. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last weekend, we handed out these prayer cards with the Lord's Prayer on, and we have some more back at the Connect Wall. They're also on our website. You can download and print them yourself. But after you pray that surrender prayer, I want to encourage you just to be quiet for a few minutes, to listen with your heart, listen with your spirit, because God might want to prompt you to do something, to talk to someone, to serve someone as a way to bring his kingdom here on earth. Now, second, second challenge is I want you to pray for one person every day that you can share God's love with. We know that God's will is for everyone to experience life with him here on earth and someday in heaven. So as you pray your surrender prayer, just add on, hey, God, show me one person that I can share your love with. And if God has already brought someone to mind, then ask him for an opportunity to be a tangible example of God's kingdom here on earth. Okay, so pray a surrender prayer, pray for one every day, and challenge number three is to sign up for the 21 days of prayer text messages. Now, this challenge is going to help all of us to put into practice what we're learning throughout this series, and here's how it works. Starting August 1st, if you sign up, you're going to receive a text message with a Bible verse and a short prayer every day for 21 days, and the challenge is to read the verse and then use that prayer to get started talking to God. Now, we're starting August 1st because we want to give you a chance to learn all the different types of prayers that we're going to be teaching throughout this series. Um, these are the kind of prayers that we're going to talk about week after week, and then we'll help you get started praying in the way that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6. So all you got to do is text the word 21 prayers, no spaces, to the number 262-500-4004. It's on the screen. And we'll start sending you a verse and a prayer every day for 21 days. All right. Last week, we introduced this prayer challenge, the text challenge. Over 230 people signed up the very first time we talked about it. So don't miss out. Join the challenge. Jesus' followers, they had three years with Jesus to learn everything they could from him. And they made a point of asking him, hey, how should we pray? And prayer doesn't have to be complicated to be life-changing. Just like the kids said in the video, don't be afraid, just talk to God. And if you weren't sure where to start before, now you know. You start with adoration, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and then surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is a prayer for everyone, a real prayer for real people. God wants to hear from you. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we recognize that you are powerful, you're holy, you're good, and your love and your forgiveness, they're the best things that we've received from you. And God, we sincerely come to you today, surrendering our minds and our hearts to your priorities. Help us to live out your upside-down kingdom here on earth. Help us to love others in an extravagant, over-the-top, out-of-the-ordinary way that that surprises people and, and causes them to ask, hey, what's different about you? God, we pray for those in our life who are far from you, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. God, bring the names of specific people to mind today and give us opportunities to bring your kingdom into their lives through our attitudes, through our actions. God, I want to pray for those who are listening today who still need to understand and accept your love. God, help them to receive your grace. Help them to open up their hearts to your kingdom. God, I pray that you give them the courage to take the step of baptism. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done here and now on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.